turned me into a dog. Can you believe this? And you're invited too! And welcome to Saturday Morning Obscurities. I'm your co-host and sister, Melissa. And I'm your co-host and brother, Jams. Welcome to the show where every week we talk about an obscure old kids show you feel like only you remember. Hey guys, thank you so much for joining us. Today we're going to be talking about Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated. But before that, we have our first segment of the show, What's New Scooby-Doo? Ironically, (laughs) we've both decided that we are going to cede the Scooby-Doo time to Scooby-Doo. Right. For two years, we have invoked his name, and finally, it is time to talk about the big dog in depth. Yeah. My What's New Scooby-Doo is that I've just been watching this show. So let's just talk about this show. (laughs) Yes! Uh, Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated is the 11th uh, series in the Scooby-Doo series. Uh, Oh. It's the first show to not have any uh, vocals in the intro. It's just pure music. Uh, One of the number one facts you got to name off the bat, instrumental theme song. Well, I just noticed that. And then when I thought about (laughs) it earlier, I like listened to all of the intros to make sure they didn't have words or they did have words. And yeah, it's the first one. Uh, It was also the first one that was not originally run on Saturday mornings, ironically, for the show Mm -hmm. again. Uh, But yeah, Mel, this was your pick. Why did you pick Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated? I love this show so much. This, to to tell you some of the details, this came on Cartoon Network around 2010. You've got it written down in our notes. It's interesting because it was April 5th, 2010, and it ran to April 5th, 2013, exactly. I remember that. Wow. Yeah. Three perfect years. This, I saw the show on TV and I was mesmerized. I'm like, this is the version of Scooby-Doo I didn't know I always wanted. This is my <laughs> very favorite incarnation of Scooby-Doo. This took everything you know and love about the show and completely elevated it and turned it yeah. into something really yeah. special. Yeah. I We've talked about this show a lot on the uh-huh. podcast before. On Jason's episode, we talked about Mystery Incorporated. I think we've talked about it in Outbursts before, but yeah. You kind of brought this show up, and I watched an episode, and I'm like, you're right. This is the best Scooby-Doo we've ever seen. (laughs) I mean, looks next -hmm. next to the movies. The movies are really good Scooby-Doo's. Oh, yeah. there's. I mean, I still hold dear, you know, the live-action Scooby-Doo, the zombie Mm -hmm. island, what have you, but this is... It's gorgeous, first of all. We've got all the traditional character designs. The only visual difference to any of the characters is that Velma has barrettes in her hair. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. The the art design is so gothic and and saturated and eerie looking. Yeah. I I mean gothic in that like this is a city like there's decaying mansions, there's gloom, there's dust, there's fog. It's yeah. a really atmospheric show. The the art style doesn't change the look of the gang too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone's got their same costume, except for the little barrettes. Uh, yeah. The eyes are a little different, but that just shows the art style. The eyes yeah. oftentimes don't have whites to them. They're just mm, the people. Just dots. But, but that's that's just the art style. And otherwise, it's just very thin lines. And yeah, it's it's just, yeah, very gloomy. The town is... 
they spread out so much info about the town in this show. There's two seasons of this show. Yes. And they, and they fill that with information. And it is one town. They're not just driving around amorphously from town to town in the van. They're not mm-hmm. in Coolsville, which I think was the town they were in sometimes before. They're in a yeah. new town called Crystal Cove. Everything they do is in this town. And as they solve these weekly mysteries, they start to realize there's something larger going on here. There's something weird about our town. This is a Scooby-Doo series with an ongoing serialized mystery. There's mythology. There's lore. There's deep family secrets. (laughs) Yeah, there's drama. There's like relationship Uh issues. Yes. There's loves won and loves lost. Yeah, this is the first Scooby-Doo show to really give Scooby-Doo more emotions than Hungry and Scared. Yes, yeah, at least two he gets, more. He gets, he needs to feel so many things. He can feel jealous and bitter and and protective. He's as richly drawn as any of the human characters are. Yeah. And I like that it isn't, I wouldn't call this dark and gritty, but it is uh, more mature. It's, it's, there are more emotional yeah. stakes to the things that are happening. I guess I don't want to hit the st- the spoilers barrier just yet, but there is death. There is talk of death. Oh yeah, and yes. on screen implied death in this show. Uh, but yeah, this this is this show doesn't pull as many punches as you think it should. It's mm-hmm. always going to surprise you at least a little bit. Um, yeah, it's a genuinely eerie and a genuinely very good mystery. Yeah, the the writing is really good. The mysteries are well thought out. There's several times. So since uh, since I was tasked with the two episodes that you suggested, I uh-huh. haven't stopped watching the show. From the last episode <laughs> you suggested, I just kept going, and that's all I've been watching. Uh, you have to go every- back and fill in some holes. I do. I didn't actually watch the show, uh, you know, episodically like you did. I kind of just jumped in when you were watching it and just enjoyed it at piece by piece. Uh, when I worked at the comic shop, we'd put it on, and that's how I got some people into it. That's how I got Jason into it. Um, but yeah, I, this will be my first time, I think, in experiencing the series finale. Uh, and it's it's been fun revisiting. The writing is really good. The jokes land. Like everything's really well thought out. It's like I would put it on par with like Gravity Falls levels of conspiracies. Yes, definitely. And unlike don't un- don't and unlike Gravity Falls. Well, maybe including Gravity Falls. Gravity Falls includes real ciphers. Mystery Incorporated includes real conspiracy theories. They yeah. T- t- tie in, uh, uh, experience like uh, I don't want to spoil too many things, but let's just say some of their their bigger plot threads towards the end feature information from real conspiracy theories, which is a really nice like touch to detail. Uh, also, this is. To my knowledge, the only Scooby-Doo show that gives you a true mythological answer for why Scooby-Doo can talk, and it's not a joke answer, it's an answer that has actual plot ramifications. Yes. Yeah, there's so much to love about this show, and if we... if I didn't want people to watch it, I would go a lot more in-depth without the spoilers, but I do want people out there to watch it. So... Mm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold back as many spoilers as I can today. But yeah. Do you want to write down some facts? Yes. Let's learn more facts, except for yeah. that it is an instrumental opening and ran from 2010 to 2013. Right. We've covered that. 
Uh, yeah, name of the show, Scooby-Doo, exclamation point, Mystery Incorporated. Uh, th- so there's no, like, created by. You, uh, Mel, you brought up that this is, like, a legacy show, and maybe that they don't really do created buys for legacy shows. But mm. uh, I'm just going to list as many names in the creative uh, functions as possible. Uh, it, was, uh, d- uh, it was based on Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? by Joe Ruby and Ken Spears. Uh, it was developed by Mitch Watson, Spike Brandt, and Tony Cervone. Written by Mitch Watson, Mark Banker, Roger Eschbarker, Jed Elenoff, and Scott Thomas. Directed by Victor Cook and Kerf Geta. And if any uh, of you created it, I, I hope I, I hope that was part of it. Thank you. I want to say at least Spike Brandt and Tony Cervone, perhaps some other members of the creative team, worked on uh, a, another underrated gem I've brought to the show before, the Looney Tunes show. Yeah, that's true. They've, they've worked on a lot of stuff uh, for, for Cartoon Network. Uh, let's see. Total number of episodes. There were 52 episodes. Like we said, it ran from 2010 to 2013. Country of origin is USA. Production company, Warner Brothers Animation. Original channel was Cartoon Network. Uh, adaptations, I'm pretty sure I remember there being chapter books. And maybe for, like a like a, like a like a monthly subscription thing for like kids. Do you remember this? I don't know if it got to this specifically. When we were kids, we did have a monthly subscription to uh, Scooby-Doo and You chapter books. And they sent us a little plastic lunchbox shaped like the mystery machine. And they'd send us a chapter book every month. I believe we also had a subscription service for Arthur books when we were a bit (laughs) younger. We would get an Arthur a month. We don't get those anymore, unfortunately. If only. I wish it it kept going and he would go on the sort of adventures I need him to go on when I'm 31 years old. (laughs) That well ran dry, unfortunately. Arthur, if you're out there. (laughs) <laughs> Arthur, we still believe in you. Arthur, Arthur we believe in you. <laughs> Keep making that comic. Uh, or was it a book? I can't remember. I think he wrote a comic. But uh, there was also a online Flash game for the first uh, season of the show on Cartoon Network's website, where you could every new episode kind of follow a uh, a mystery based on that episode. Um, mm. And let's do the voice actors, shall we? Oh boy. Lot of lot of great voice actors in not just this show, but Scooby Doo at large. But the show is packed. Uh-huh. Get ready. As the big dog himself, I believe we have Frank, Frank Welker, Welker, who has historically played the role, and has also played Fred Jones. He's playing Fred Jones now and has played Fred Jones for longer than any of us have been alive. Yeah, I, I was thinking about this the other day. He's played both Fred Jones and Scooby-Doo and will continue to play Fred Jones and Scooby-Doo until he can't anymore. And if yeah. there isn't a statue of this man, like oh his God. name in the Hall of Fame somewhere, his name sideways on a coin like Xavier's grave, like he needs to be... <laughs> have a monument somewhere i hope his local high school is named after him yeah and also the voice of uh daphne gray griffin uh gray griffin delisle uh mm-hmm. has also been playing daphne for so long and a long will continue time to play daphne. great work uh the voice of velma for the show was mindy cone what is she from 
I think she was one of the Facts of Life teens. Oh, yeah, you're right. She was Natalie Green or Frenchie in the Facts of Life. Yeah, she does a great job as Velma in this. And this was the first iteration where Shaggy was played by Matthew Lillard. From this Mm. point on, uh, so in this show, we do meet Shaggy's dad. And when when he's on screen, he is voiced by Casey Kasem. But that only happened for about- A beautiful tribute. That only happened for about five episodes before we unfortunately lost Casey Kasem. And then since then, Matthew Lillard has taken on the role of Shaggy. uh, Mm -hmm. With the exception of uh, some small projects. Um, we also have new characters. We have, what's his name? Let me make sure I have his full name. We have Sheriff Bronson Stone, voiced by the man himself, Patrick Warburton. We have... The mayor of the town is played by Gary Gary Cole. Cole. And he is also Fred's dad. This is Fred Jones Sr., so the, yes. the gang not only has to answer to their parents, but one of their parents is the mayor. Yes. Uh, including we have uh, some other voices of like people that help them, like mm. uh, Angel, Angel Dynamite voiced by Vivica A. Fox, Jeanette Nettles by uh, Kate Higgins, Judy Reeves, Tia Carrara. Carrera? Car- I've heard Carrera. Carrera. And we also have some villains that we don't... S- Do we see them in this episodes? No. No. Okay. And some, some villains that we don't see, but are overarching villains, uh, voiced by Louis Black and Udo Kier, who is like a very like intense like German actor. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, he really nails <laughs> he, he plays stuff. a talking bird. Mm-hmm. He plays a parrot. And also, oh. a character we unfortunately didn't get to see in any of these episodes, Linda Cardellini, the live-action Velma from the movies, voices a character called Hot Dog Water, whose real name is is Marcy Fleech, but mm. uh, they call her Hot Dog Water. Because her like her family runs a dilapidated carnival, and there's a joke about how they're so poor they have to like they're so down on their luck from the carnival not doing well that she has to take a shower in the leftover water from boiling hot dogs. But yes, her given name is Marcy. Uh, her and Velma develop a bit of a relationship, and Velma will call her Marcy. Yeah, it's it's very sweet. Also, you will be surprised how often they don't say Marcy and say full hot dog water throughout this show. <laughs> no one attempts mo- to no one attempts to shorten it at any time. It's always hot dog water. Right. It's longer. That's more work and it's very rude. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's the in or that's the facts. Um let's watch the intro, shall we? Yes. All right. It's about 35, 36 seconds long. Uh, it's going to play under us as a bed. I'm going to hit play in three, two, one, play. First off, Warner Brothers animation logo shrouded in mysterious fog. Yeah. Also, I never skipped this intro when watching this. No, it's great. The gang drives their van into Crystal Cove. Everyone gets little highlights. Fred gets trapped. Yeah. Daphne gets like looking around. Velma's investigating. <laughs> Do you know Daphne and her classic looking around? Yeah. Shaggy and Scooby eating. Them in front of a spooky mansion. It's all you need to know. Yeah. the The shot of Daphne is she's like 
looking around with a magnifying glass and then the camera spins and then instead of a magnifying glass, she's holding like a framed photo of Fred clutching it <laughs> to her chest lovingly. Uh, and then I, there are a couple episodes where Daphne has left the team where she gets fed up with all of this and she goes to date a Hollywood actor named Baylor Hotner. And oh. during that time, when she's not on the team, she is replaced by Hot Dog Water. And Hot Dog oh. Water gets the exact same animation, except she's holding a photo of Velma. Hold on, I gotta... <laughs> you laughing at the all caps? <laughs> you just typed in Hot Dog Water in all capital letters into YouTube. It's, it's, it's not any different. I'm not going to play this under us as a bed. This is just for us. It's still there. <laughs> oh, she's got her science lab behind her. She's the best. That's great. Does that happen in season one? That's the very beginning of season two. Season one gotcha. ends with Daphne getting fed up and leaving. And then they scramble for a couple episodes. They're like, we need another person on the team. Like, my traps don't work with only three people. We need somebody <laughs> else. So they bring in hot dog water. That's great. Yeah, I uh, yeah, I just kept watching after uh, the episodes we watched, so I, I'll have to go back and fill in the spaces. But you kind of picked uh, two episodes, and the latter one kind of being uh, very centered around a lot of the mysteries of season two. So Yeah, I didn't do that on purpose. Between oh. the first <laughs> episode we watch and the second episode we watch, there is, I have to stop and explain a lot of things to you. <laughs> a lot <laughs> happens between those two episodes. Okay. But yeah. But we'll, we'll talk about it when we get there. Let's start with our first episode. This is season one, episode seven, and this is called In Fear of the Phantom. Mm -hmm. And this episode features fan favorites, the Hex Girls. Yes. They are playing in this big, high-energy concert. They're playing their, their titular song, We're the Hex Girls, and we're going to put a spell on you. Velma's they... <laughs> screaming at them that she's their biggest fan. The, the thing I like about the Hex Girls in this show is that they give them full, like, elbow room to play their songs. Like, they play yes. music for almost a full minute before we cut to the gang. Uh, yeah! And then later in the series, they, you know, intro, like, an original song. Uh, and, like, there's there's a lot of Hex Girls content in this show, and I love it. They, they also, knew what they, the audience wanted. They're just kind of friends with the gang? Yeah! <laughs> Or they become friends. As soon as uh, they are threatened by a, a mysterious specter, you become friends with the Mystery <laughs> Incorporated gang. That's fair. But yeah, Velma's, Velma's going nuts. She's totally fangirling and headbanging. Uh, uh-huh. And then we, we cue into some, uh, some drama that happened in the previous episodes. Yeah, uh, Shaggy's trying to take pictures, but Scooby's in front of him, and he asks Scooby to move, and Scooby turns around and growls at him, just barks at him, and the other members of the gang are like, what was that? And Shaggy says, he's mad at me because I went to the prom with Velma instead of staying home to watch the Vincent Van Gogh marathon with him. Yes. Uh, Vincent Van Gogh is a Vincent Price-type horror actor who's prevalent in this world. Vincent Van Gogh is also the name of the warlock from 13 Ghosts. So, Oh, right! Yeah, 
Yes, yes. He was a pre-existing Scooby-Doo character be- yeah. before they did this with him. Yeah. But yeah, they changed him for this show to make him an actor and make him not mm. a threat. Uh, right. But yeah. <laughs> but yeah, this was the first show to really like do what everyone was thinking is like, why doesn't Shaggy and Velma get together if Fred and Daphne right. are together? And they try it. They give it the the old try. Velma has that feeling too. Uh, mm. And yeah, for the first like few episodes, they're like, let's give this a try. But Velma wants Shaggy to be the boyfriend and Shaggy is Shaggy. Uh, <laughs> That's, it, that's the perfect way to describe it. Yes. Yeah. It just it <laughs> does. Like, I want you to get dressed up. I want you to wear clothes that fit. And he's like, "What if I just wore the same T-shirt I've owned for 15 years, and I just <laughs> sat on the floor and ate burgers with my dog?" Huh? <laughs> She's like, "I'm not having that." <laughs> but yeah, this it, they they try it for like the audience appeal. They try it. It doesn't work. And you know, by season two. They make jokes about it, but it's not a, a plot point anymore. They're just like, yeah, that was in the past. We tried it. Didn't work. Yeah. I like that the relationship dynamics change. That we, the, Velma has such a big crush on Shaggy when the show begins. And he likes her, but isn't sure yeah. if he likes, likes her, likes her. He really just wants to hang out with Scooby. That is the number one relationship in his life. So like Scooby and Velma are often crossed with each other. And eventually they're all like, the world's better as friends. And yeah. meanwhile, Daphne is a huge crush on Fred. And Fred is likes her, but is largely oblivious because he's obsessed with traps. Yeah, this this Fred is all about traps. Traps 24-7. <laughs> um, <laughs> Do you remember the end credit scene of Napoleon Dynamite where, <laughs> where his brother and LaFonda are getting married and he sings... I love technology, not <laughs> as much as you, you see. But I, I still, still love, love technology. technology. Yeah, Always I do. Always and forever. That's what Fred is. Yeah, absolutely. But I still love traps. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Yeah, like Shaggy in the show is like, I probably like asexual. Like maybe not arrow mm. ace, but at least ace, I think. And he's just I, like, I think so. Yeah, he's just like I'm just I'm just here to to eat and hang out with my dog, and right. Fred is just like I'm here to like traps. He's a little <laughs> bit more. He has a little bit more development later in the yes. show. Right, uh, right. Uh, and then Velma doesn't need Shaggy anyway because she's got hot dog water. Yeah, exactly. Velma Velma is her own person and uh, is a strong individual. Uh, she is. And you know Daphne goes through, you know, like at the end of season one where she she leaves. Uh, she has her own problems that she figures out, and we'll we'll see that a little bit in this episode. Uh, yeah. So we're watching the concert, and then suddenly a phantom appears. He is very much styled after the phantom from the, the cult rock opera Phantom of the Paradise. He's got kind of a, a weird steampunky Phantom of the Opera mask and a, uh, a sparkly cape. Please do Google Phantom of the Paradise, everyone. I will I will wait. I will wait while you look at this. Oh god, the eyes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's he's got like a very tall the the phantom in the show, not this guy. I don't want to talk yeah. about this guy. Uh I don't, <laughs> I don't we'll like not the be eyes. Discussing Winslow Leech tonight. No. Uh but yeah, the phantom has like a very tall cape. Uh he's got like brass like mask yeah. like 
gloves and boots that have like little like windows and like little like modules on them. It's a very yeah. cool look. Mm-hmm. So he threatens the hex girls in rhyme, tells them to stop playing, and they're like, "No, we're the hex girls. We do yeah. what we want." And yes. they keep playing, and then he knocks over a big tower of speakers onto the lead singer Thorn, uh, and that's the cold open. Yeah, every every show has a little bit of a cold open. Sometimes yeah. it's previously on, uh, but yeah, it's it's a good setup. And then when we come back from the wonderful opening credits, uh, the gang is back there talking to the hex girls. Thorn is fine. They're they're all just spooked. And yeah. the group's songwriter Danny is telling them, "Yeah, I'm worried about you. You're in danger. We should cancel the rest of the tour." But the girls and their manager, Gus Boggs, are like, no, let's keep going. Nobody stops us. We're going to keep doing the tour. And Velma's like, if you need me to give my life for you, Hex Girls, I will. <laughs> I don't know. Is it? So it's, it, they say that Velma knows the Hex Girls. It's not obvious if she is like the fangirl or the connection here. Uh I don't know. Maybe she's like president of the fan club, so she has some sort of of connection, but she doesn't personally know oh. them. It's unclear whether this is the first time any of them are meeting. Yeah, which I guess is probably for the best to do that in the right. Yeah, uh. yeah, they just are friends now, and in classic Fred fashion, he thinks I know what we've got to do. Let's set a trap. Let's get a double. We'll dress somebody else up like Thorn. And the phantom will come for Thorn, and then we'll catch him. And Velma's like, me, 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 me. I want to do it. She's like climbing. She's like grasping at Fred. She's trying to climb up him. And Fred's like, how about Daphne? (laughs) And Daphne's like, oh, I don't know. But let me sing for you real quick. And she sings like this perfect like little verse. And they're like, okay, you got this. You got the job. Uh, (laughs) And she's like, wait a minute. I'm bait again? Hold on. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, we see Fred and Scooby and Shaggy setting up a trap. They were like up in the rigging over the concert venue. They're like working with like ropes and pulleys and things. Fred's got like some sort of a, a thermometer. He's waving around in the air and he's like doing readings. And he says, hmm, room temperature. Very interesting. <laughs> I thought... <laughs> Not- I thought that was going to come back. I don't think it does. No, I think that's just a joke about how the room is average, and he thinks <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, Shaggy's accidentally tied himself up in a knot, and Fred's like, Scooby, would you help Shaggy out? And <laughs> Scooby looks at him and says, that looks fine. And he yeah. keeps walking away. He's so Scooby, mad at Shaggy. Scooby is so cold in this episode. It's oh, almost, yeah. It's almost a little uncomfortable. <laughs> But again, I'm happy he gets to do something that isn't like, rut row, I'm scared. I want a snack. Yeah. No, yeah, he's he's exhibiting uh like an emotion to like heartbreak. He was heartbroken. Yes. Yes. So he's he's, you know, he's also a kid. He's also figuring this out. Uh in I think the episode before this. And again, this is episode seven. So in the first six episodes somewhere, <laughs> Scooby's walking through Shaggy's house. He doesn't see Shaggy. He's calling for him. He walks out in the garden. He walks past Shaggy and Velma making out, and he's shocked, and he turns to Shaggy, and he says, are you cheating on me? <laughs> like, that's that's something the show decided it needed to have in the first six episodes. Yeah. <laughs> this is how we set the scene. This is what we're about. Scooby doesn't know better. He's a dog. <laughs> My best friend like, slash my dad is cheating on me. <laughs> right, like it's 
not a romantic relationship, but like those two are like platonic life partners. And Scooby does not like that somebody else is honing in on his quality time with Shaggy. Yeah, I was I said dad, but I guess Shaggy and Scooby are best friends, and Scooby probably sees Shaggy's dad as dad since they're like since they're like brothers. (laughs) I Uh, think so. Yeah. Anyway, the next night. Daphne yeah, uh, is is all dressed up as Thorn, and she's a mm. little nervous to take the stage. Uh, and the band kind of lead her in, and she walks out dressed as Thorn, and they dramatically like go into like uh, Earth, Wind, Fire, and Air, another one of their songs that plays for a good amount of time. Yeah, uh, and Daphne's singing sounds like Daphne, but the crowd isn't reacting too much, so it just sounds <laughs> just close enough. Right, They're, the crowd is not confused. Crowd no, accepts yeah. this. Yeah, they're like, oh, cool. Uh, sounds weird tonight. Oh, whatever. It's This is great. Um, the, the lights all go red, and the phantom appears behind Daphne. Fred orders Shag and Scoob to pull the rope, and the trap cages land on Dusk and Luna instead, and the phantom disappears with Daphne. And, mm-hmm. everyone, and everyone yells Daphne's name. Mm-hmm. Lots of yelling of names in this show. And this is the beginning uh, of, of Fred feeling confused and distraught. Yeah. He's like about his trap failing and about losing Daphne. Yeah. We cut we cut to commercial and then we come back. It's the next day and Sheriff Bronson Stone is investigating the scene and he holds up a concert t-shirt <laughs> and he says, "All right, let me get this straight. These t-shirts are $50 each, right? These are made from cotton, the kind that comes from cows." Sheriff, focus. <laughs> <laughs> the sheriff is really good. Uh, comedic value in this show, which he is. <laughs> which which means the more like comedic value he brings to it, the less uh, of the weight is put on Shaggy and Scooby and the rest. Right, of the exactly. Everybody shares the load. It's great. Uh, and the then load. you got Patrick. <laughs> you had Patrick Warburton's just great line reads. Like he notices that Fred is like looks really sad and distracted and is out of it, and he says, "What's wrong with the Jones kid? He's acting a little squirrely." he's he's all full of like emotions and he's like am i emotional that my trap didn't work or am i emotional that i lost daphne and he says why can't i just be cold and heartless like other guys why must i feel (laughs) and he collapses on the ground head in his hands and then scooby goes over to him and like comforts him puts an arm around him and says it's okay and he does this little sing-song voice and he says freddy you're a special boy (laughs) it's really cute (laughs) and freddy freddy kind of perks up a little bit he's like yeah i am a little special boy Uh, the next scene, the the gang is sniffing around in Scooby's case, literally sniffing around the the concert venue for clues, and they he's like around the snack bar, of course, and like he finds a popcorn, and then Shaggy's smelt out the same popcorn, and they both you know touch noses over the popcorn, and Scooby like refuses, he, and Shaggy's like, "Do you want it?" And he's like, "No, I don't want to talk to you." And Shaggy's like, "If you're gonna keep doing this, we're both gonna have to find new best friends." Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, Fred is wandering around backstage, still very emotional, and he says, Get a hold of yourself, Fred. Be a man. Keep repeating. You're dead inside. You're dead inside. <laughs> and then he <laughs> turns and he sees a mysterious substance on like the 
pulley ropes backstage and he says, wait a minute, why is there lotion on these ropes? I don't moisturize. This can only mean one thing, sabotage. That means it wasn't my fault. And then he says, why do I still feel lousy? Daphne, I wish I didn't care about her. And then it cuts up and like Daphne's like tied up and like bound and gagged and like the ropes above him. And she hears him say that, but she doesn't hear him when he walks away and he says, wait a minute, I do, I do care about Daphne. I've had a breakthrough. Yeah, he's so excited. <laughs> he's like, I understand my feelings. I'm valid. Yeah. Uh, and he runs downstairs. He's like, guys, guys, I've had a breakthrough. I like Daphne. But he doesn't say that. Uh, he's like, I like, and uh, what happens? Um Oh, um, like da- somebody like found Daphne. They cut her down. She's really upset. She only from the- heard the first part where he's like, I wish I didn't care about her. And she's like, fine, I don't need you. Yeah. And I think the mayor is also there. The mayor dad, Mayor Fred Jones Sr. Mm-hmm. And Fred's like, dad, what are you doing here? And he says, my job as mayor, or at least what I interpret it to be. <laughs> yeah. And he says, I've declared tomorrow Phantom Day. Phantom's great for business. Fred, don't catch the Phantom yet. Wait until after Phantom Day, which is something he's always doing is like using the monsters and spooks of the town as like publicity, as like tourist attractions. Because this is kind of how the town runs. This is what Velma's parents do for a living is do haunted Crystal Cove tours. Yeah, Crystal Cove, it says under the sign, like the most haunted town, like in, I don't know, this this side of the of the West or whatever. Uh, yeah. But it says, like, one of the most haunted towns in America or something. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, every time, every episode, uh, Fred's, Fred Jones, Mayor Dad Sr. is uh, just like, don't solve that mystery, leave it alone, and then I'll have money. And I, I just need you to not solve mysteries. And they can't, they can't help it. They solve mysteries. It's what they do. Mm-hmm. He's, Gary Cole is such a good casting for this character because he's, he's part Bill Lumberg and part uh <laughs> dad brady from the 90s brady brunch movies yeah so daniel thinks like this is too much that this is getting too dangerous and he wants to cancel the tour but daphne's like no i will perform again and we're gonna catch that catch this phantom and everyone walks away except for like the rest of the gang and then yeah. it's like there's like a beat and then scooby pulls up a, a little like little boy like puppet uh <laughs> and shaggy's like Scoob, why do you have my puppet? Which I guess references a puppet he had in the first six episodes. Yeah, I think at some point, like, he has a ventriloquist dummy for some reason. I forget why. And Scooby's like, this is my new best friend. His name is Harry, and I'm going to go talk to him. Uh, (laughs) And Shaggy turns to Velma and Fred, and they're just like, you're on your own, man. We we got our own stuff going on. (laughs) And uh, Fred, like, we cut to, like... Velma hanging out with the band while they spooky up Daphne. Uh, mm-hmm. Fred is like wandering the streets, kicking a can, and he's like reminiscing. I'm so happy you also wrote down that he kicks a can. Yeah. <laughs> it's my favorite detail. And he's he's like thinking and like reminiscing about Daphne, and he, he has another breakthrough. He's like, I'm tired of being afraid. I have feelings, world, for traps and Daphne. I'm a guy no more. <laughs> and... I'm just, I'm so interested in the masculinity that was, Im, Im, like, imparted on Fred as a kid. Yeah. To make him think, this is what guys are. Guys are terrible to women. Right. You look at his dad, and part of the yeah. 
the like setup of the show is that his mom died when he was a baby. Like he's never known his mom. So he's grown mm. up with his like not really having any feminine figures in his life. I guess his dad never had like another girlfriend or anything. Like he doesn't know what romance is. He doesn't know what love is. He barely knows emotions. So like he's got this one masculine figure and he's like, if I do anything Unlike him, I don't. I guess I'm not a man anymore because he's a very old-fashioned, a very old-fashioned chauvinistic guy, and taught me to like never cry or feel. Yeah, it's it's really interesting, and I think you could write a paper on this, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he runs into where the hex girls are giving Daphne her rock star makeover, which is just in Velma's room. Uh, and he he runs in, and he's like, um. He runs in and he's like, I'm looking for Daphne. And Daphne, you know, t- stands up and turns around. She's got her rock star looks on and she's like, Daphne's gone. Call me Crush. And Fred says, darn it, lady, I'm serious. Where is she? <laughs> also, uh, as is podcast tradition, we will now call this character Crush. Until they, <laughs> until they say otherwise. Uh, uh, but yeah, Crush like dismisses Fred and the Hex Girls like kick him out. And Velma's like, wow, like you stood up to Fred. You've never done that before. And she's like, are you okay? And uh, Crush is like, really? No. (laughs) I love that. I love that this character is like, I acted really tough, but for real, this has hurt me a lot. And I I feel scared and I still have a lot of feelings for Fred. And the fact that he keeps flip-flopping on his emotions is stressing me out. Yeah, I, I imagine it would. Uh, but yeah, uh, meanwhile, on the Hex Girls tour bus, uh, Scoob is watching uh, Vincent Van Gogh me- movies with his new puppet best friend, Harry. And Shaggy is just like across from them. Like, I, I don't understand what's happening. Like, wh- stop wa- stop watching movies right with the here. puppet. I'm right here. Yeah. <laughs> and he starts the, yeah. arguing with, Sh- with Scooby, but instead gets in an argument with Harry as Scooby uh-huh. is using it to rebuttal. And then it goes to blows. Uh, yes, and they're like Scooby or no Shaggy rips Harry off his hand and starts wrestling for like a full ten seconds before he's like, "Wait a second, this is a puppet," and like throws it behind him. <laughs> I, it's great. Uh, it's great line readings from Matthew Lillard. I have to say that the Vincent Van Gogh movie they are watching is oh, like yeah. him and some like beautiful like vampire looking lady and they're talking about how he might transform into a monster and she's like I would still love you and he says even with a lizard face and then he transforms <laughs> and then the lady says you're right run away run away and she says run away as she runs away yeah it's, it's, it's just really great for the 10 seconds that it is on screen. <laughs> uh, so as as the the uh, Harry is knocked across the room, his head falls off and it rolls into the feet of the Phantom, who is now on the tour bus with them. Uh, yeah. We get a little chase sequence, but it's to the confines of the tour bus. Right. So we get <laughs> a door sequence. Beds. Yeah, we get a door sequence, but it's to those little curtain beds that are in mm-hmm. tour buses. Uh and then it ends with Shaggy and Scooby just hiding in there. And they're just like, he's got to be gone, right? And they're like, you peek out. No, you peek out. I guess neither of us will peek out. <laughs> and then they smell burning and they peek out. And the uh, the Phantom has set fire to the bus. <laughs> uh, so Shaggy takes the 
Harry, he takes his head because when he was fighting with him, his head fell off. He throws mm-hmm. his head through the window to like break the glass, and then him and Scooby jump out just before the bus completely explodes. Uh, and, and Scooby's like, "Thank you, Harry, you saved us." <laughs> but in Harry's mouth is a little scrap of the like sparkly fabric on the Phantom's cape, which is mm-hmm. animated with like individual sparkles. It's really yeah, it's cool looking, really neat looking. And Shaggy's like, wait a minute, I think I know this from something. And then it cuts to him and Scooby looking at his laptop. They're like back at Shaggy's house and they're watching a music video on YouTube from an artist called Fancy Pants. And it's a yeah. guy in like a sparkly disco outfit. And he's, he's just like, strutting on a stage that's like covered with unicorns. He's very Danny Sexbang in this moment. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, he, he's just singing like a little song like dance in my pants. Dance in my pants. Don't be afraid with a demon chance. Just like a little right. like old, uh, a, a little like pop song. And I had to put captions on because I've never been exactly sure what he's been saying. And I'm like, don't be afraid when the demon chance. What demon? <laughs> what are you talking about? And I like to imagine that in this world, like the hex girls are so popular that record labels are like, every act needs to have a magic element. Write a demon into your song. <laughs> demon makes you dance. Demon, demon possess the pants. Get it get it right. Or get lost. Uh, uh Crush has essentially joined the hex girls at this point. Uh, yes. And like stops practice because he's like something doesn't feel right and thorn comforts her uh and she says we've all had a friend in our lives mine was mine was a carney i met on the road named knuckles wazinski <laughs> uh and she's like i got over knuckles with a song and I, how about you do the same and then yeah we cut to shaggy showing the uh anti pants video to gus boggs their manager mm. and he's like ha i'm not that guy uh, or like I'm not the Phantom. Why would just because I represented yeah. someone who had like fancy material? That's not yeah. me. Uh, but I did represent this guy, and I he was a total like flunk. Like he yes. only had that one song, and then he was like out of the limelight. And now I'm all about Hex Girls. Mm-hmm. And then we cut to the concert that night, uh, and God love the Hex Girls. They yes, they just met. Uh, Daphne earlier this night and now Crush and they took her in like gave her a makeover encouraged her to like write a song about her feelings and then said okay tomorrow night you're gonna be lead you're gonna be performing with us using that song for like an arena right also they are doing like sold out arena shows three nights in a row in the same town (laughs) yeah this is a big band Everybody comes to town for the Hex Girls. Uh, and I did write down Crush's song. Crush comes out, uh, ascends up the stage in like a dark robe on a heart-shaped throne, mm-hmm. takes the robe off and sings, Your unfeeling heart imprisons me, careless eyes too blind to see, empty words, an iron cage, broken heart, bleeding rage. Can't wait for you and me, it's time I break free. Trap of love, snared by desire. Trap of love, burned by your fire. Let me be, it's time we part. Set me free, uncage my heart. Trap of love, etc., etc. And it's really good. Fred is like there on the sidelines with the rest of the gang, and he's just like stunned, just like listening right. to what's happening. 
<laughs> right, it keeps cutting to him at the, in the end after the end of the song. He says, I I think I understand. <laughs> yeah. And then Crush like puts the robe back on, sits back on the throne. Throne goes, you know, it's surrounded by fog, all the fog machines on the stage. And so the Phantom, we see the Phantom up in the rafters, plunges down, tries to grab her, but instead he's just grabbed Harry inside those ropes. Yeah. Yeah, they catch the Phantom in a net, and the mayor is like, it's, we're not even done with the show. You couldn't have waited. <laughs> this is only like the break. They still have like five more songs. They have half their set mm. left. Yeah, they pull off the mask, and it's Daniel Frizette. It was their songwriter, Danny. He used to be Fancy Pants. And then the record label got rid of his contract when the Hex Girls made it big. He says, they ruined my career. I tried to get my revenge by writing bad songs for them, but they can make anything a hit. (laughs) Yeah. So he gets carted off. And Fred is like, now that I can talk to you, like, and like Daphne's back to normal, like outside. Uh, Yeah. And Fred is like, if you need to like, break free of the cra- of the cage i understand if, if if that's what you want uh but i have to tell you i have feelings for both traps and you <laughs> and then he's, he says something like call me a I non- wrote it down call me a non-man or a caring un-guy or something like yeah. that yeah he's like, <laughs> he says i just know that whenever you're in danger for reasons i can't explain i hurt and he's like does that make sense and Daphne says, not from anyone else, but from you, Fred, I understand. That's coming in crystal clear. Uh, I, re- I then, really like non-man and un-guy. I think those are two of their favorite ca- genders. A caring un-guy? A caring un-guy. Uh, but yeah, Fred and Daphne like kind of share this moment, and Shag and Scooby like make up, and Velma is just like, hmm, kind of frowning. She's she's not paired up, and she's a little, yeah. a little sore still. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I, I wrote down, I think Fred might be autistic in this show. Uh, <laughs> hmm. I don't have a lot of examples to go yeah. off of. I don't, I don't think I am. And I'm just going off of TikToks. Uh, so my, <laughs> my, 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 th- my opinion is not forthwith and downright. But I think he's, he's, if he is like, if he's like hyper focused on traps, like all his life, mm-hmm. hyper fixated on this for like years, I think that's an autistic thing. And him not being like aware of like emotions and stuff like that. It's written a little bit autistic, I think. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I hope I, I hope people can relate. To, I think it's an, a fun turn on the character, sort of playing out the archetypical things the character has done in different iterations over and over again over the years and putting all of that into one character. Like he's just one man who's been <laughs> obsessed with traps for 15 years. I think that's funny. But yeah, yeah. I, hope, I hope people can... Relate to and empathize with Fred. I, yeah. All these characters are are very compelling, and I like that they do have these more richly drawn characteristics, and they both feel like a big meta joke and also truer to life than they ever have been. Yeah, I hope people that are smarter than me about autism <laughs> take yeah. an examination at this and and say it better than I did. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's a good start. It's an interesting angle to think about. Uh, and just as my final comment on this episode, I was reading the credits, and I don't know uh, which one of the other hex girls is Dusk, but apparently she was voiced by Jane Wheedlin, lead singer of the Go-Go's. Oh, that's fun. 
I, yeah. I don't. Let's look it up right now. I'm not going to. Hex Girls Wiki. Right. <laughs> <laughs> open the internet and scream Hex Girls into it. Well, that oh, that's not helpful. Visually, which one? Hex Girls Visual Dictionary. I'm, I'm guessing it's this one. I'm guessing it's the one that has the pigtails. The blonde, blonde one. Yeah. They all look so cool. Yeah. Hex Girls are probably one of the best uh, uh, gifts of the modern world. Mm-hmm. Pre-Hex Girls, post-Hex Girls. Mm-hmm. All right. You ready for the next one? Yes. Oh, because I have a lot of recapping to do. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Our next episode is Season 2, Episode 10, Night Terrors. And (laughs) between these episodes, a lot of plot development happens. So the team realizes that... So there's this mysterious figure named Mr. E who keeps leaving them notes. Mm -hmm. And then they... I apologize if I'm spoiling things that actually happen after this episode. I, I don't remember specifically what happened between point a and point b i just remember how the rest of the show goes sure but they find out that this mr e character is a a guy named ricky owens and years ago he was part of a previous mystery solving club there in crystal cove it was him um one of the the allies we see throughout season one is a local radio dj named angel dynamite and we find out she was also in that team this team that disappeared years ago, like they went into a cave and never came out. Nobody ever knew what happened to them. And they found out like, oh, they all escaped. They all still lived. They're all out there. And yeah. they've been secretly guiding us. And they, we think this has happened before. We keep getting messages warning us this has happened before. You know, we're a group of four teens and an animal. They were a group of four teens and an animal. You know, it was a. Uh, uh, Brad and Judy, who were Fred's real parents, we find out that Mayor Dad is his adopted dad. Uh, mm-hmm. His real parents were these teen mystery solvers who disappeared. So it was them, Ricky and Cassidy, and Professor Pericles, the talking scary German bird. Uh, mm-hmm. And like they're all still out there giving us foreboding messages, and they met some some dark turns, and now the team is afraid, what if that happens to us now? Yeah. Which just adds to not only the mystery, but like the like dissension between them in like their like social group. They're like, yeah, what if that, what if that happens to us? They have something to like be afraid of to drive them. Yeah. I I really like that angle that there's this meta narrative to the show. Like this has all happened before because it has, because this is the 11th Scooby-Doo series. Oh yeah, that's true. Perpetual momentum of the franchise at large to lend itself to the mythology specific to within this one story that they are not the first generation of mystery solvers. And that's something this episode goes into. Yeah. So let's get started. I do want to mention real quick, the uh, sentence to describe this episode is so long. Uh, when, a, when a visiting family finds some terrifying specters in an old library high in the hills above Crystal Cove, the gang investigates. <laughs> And that is what happens. A family that is basically the Griswolds from National Lampoon's Vacation drives up through a snowy mountain. They go to this place called Burlington Library, which is like a library, but also a hotel where you can go and stay and study at the library. And also it's yeah. high up in these snowy mountains. Uh, they go inside. There's a huge roaring fireplace. And then this hooded figure approaches them and takes the hood off. And it has like an Anubis head. Yeah, it's like uh, a and, green, like, 
like fox or wolf mask. Yeah. Uh, and then it turns into a beast and it runs them off. And that's our literal cold open. Yeah. Uh, I, I also want to mention, uh, we did get a previously on for this episode, which Mel just explained. Um, but they there's a scene in the previously on where they open a big trunk and there's a bunch oh, of like, yes, yes. papers in it. And don't think I didn't notice the lost reference in that trunk. Yep, uh, yep. There's Four, a seri- eight, 15, 16, 23, 42 are written on one of these scraps of paper. Which is a very nice reference to uh, another show that we both love. Yes, um, I love whenever that pops up. It's such an easy thing to slip in anywhere. <laughs> this This show is really good about references to i think i was talking about this before we started recording but in one of the episodes i watched they include the ghost that was unique to the scooby-doo movies the lunar ghost from the beginning of the first movie uh is just in the background among like their rogues gallery of people they've caught um there's a lot of like little like there's a lot to reference and they do they do reference it there's so much there's uh there's references to Twin Peaks. The show is very Twin Peaks influenced. Sci-fi writer Harlan Ellison plays himself in several yeah. episodes. <laughs> uh, there's one episode where there's like a monster that escapes out of like a crate. And one of the crates next to it says Sumatran Rat Monkey, which is a a creature from an early Peter Jackson movie. It's a creature oh. from like Dead Alive or something. There's... Oh my god, they go to a seafood restaurant called the Crab Net of Dr. Calamari. <laughs> There's so many like horror and sci-fi and like mystery Easter eggs hidden throughout this entire show in various ways, including uh the rest of this episode, which we'll get to. Yes. It, I mean, we start with basically just a parody of the family from vacation going on a vacation. Uh mm-hmm. and they they get scared off. And the gang is actually not there investigating. Fred's going to take everybody in a ski vacation so they can all unwind. But then a bunch of snow piles up on the road that they're taking and they have to go the other way. And the only thing down that way is this library. (laughs) Daphne Daphne says, because, yeah, it's like a two way and the one way gets Uh blocked. They're like, we have to find somewhere to like repair the van. And she just points off in the distance like that terrifying mansion looks warm and inviting. (laughs) <laughs> like com- completely deadpan and not joking yep uh, yep not sarcastic at all so they go to this mansion they ring the doorbell uh and the, the door is answered by a tall like older black man with a very friendly voice uh and he says welcome to the burlington library and he introduces himself as dan flunk and he's just very like welcoming to the gang and he's like you're invited to stay forever <laughs> did you recognize uh why this guy who this character is designed after no who is he designed after he's designed to look and sound exactly like scatman crothers in the shining oh that's fun uh i, I don't remember the character's name because the actor's name is scatman crothers why would i ever remember <laughs> another name oh my god you're right i just looked at a picture that is exactly who that looks like but animated so yeah, it's, he says, he explains, oh, it's just me here. There's a crazy old lady that's been here a while. And I love this. The cook from an unspecified culture, Don Fong. <laughs> right. So his name is Dan Flunk and the cook's name is Don Fong. So we're already building this alliterative motif. This this DF gang. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then we, we cut to some lore. We cut to a portrait of the proprietor of the Burlington Library. 
Uh, Oswald P. Burlington uh, is surrounded by... I'm going to pull up a picture, actually. Mm-hmm. Let's see if I can get uh, that. Oswald P. Burlington was like a, a railroad baron, and he built this library, and he decreed this... Like, it's his private library, but he's like, I want to open it to everybody. I want this library to stay open 24 hours a day. Everybody can come and visit and stay here as long as they like. Uh, and if it ever closes, it goes to Darrow University, which right. is a local university that has appeared before in the show. And the family that founded that university, the Darrows, also disappeared under mysterious circumstances. Yeah. The the portrait is a very, it's from the 1880s, but it's like, this is a very steampunk era. As oh, yeah. they have like goggles, multiple goggles, uh, brass. Uh, I really like the shaggy design with like a top hat and like a monocle goggle that goes through the hat. Yeah. Uh, and their animal is an orangutan with a fez named Mr. Peaches. <laughs> As uh, Scatman Crothers leads them through the library, we see that it's filled with portraits of other uh, past mystery solving teams that were made of four people and an animal. He says uh, Burlington was obsessed with finding these throughout history. There's all sorts of different combinations of, of men and women and different animals. My personal favorite is four cowgirls and their pet bull. Those yeah. guys look like fun. There was a monastery which came up in like a later episode. Oh, yeah. It's really interesting because like also uh, one of the members of the Oswald P. Burlington gang comes up later in the show, like... One of the friars comes up late in the show. They're not yeah. like using these and throwing them away. They're using them and like plucking them for like plot devices. So it all ties together. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, Mr. Burlington had a fascination with pictures with groups of four people and an animal. No idea why. It was some sort of mystery he was trying to solve is what, yeah. uh, what Mr. Frank thinks. Um, mm-hmm. So... Shaggy and Scooby check out the food situation while the rest of the gang looks at the rooms and they approach Don Fong in like the edges of the kitchen and the edges of the screen like blur. They blur red mm. as Don turns around. He turns into like a squat red demon with like yeah. spikes that come out of his back and he chases him around them around the kitchen and they scramble out of the room knocking a bunch of stuff over and the edges go back to normal. And they run to the gang, and they're like, "You, he's a, a monster. You, you look." Uh, and they open the door, and nothing's out of place. Everything's fine, and Don Fong isn't even mm. here. Yeah. Uh, the next scene, uh, Dan Flunk comes downstairs and says, "I just came down from Don's room. He told me he was asleep up there all night, and then he threw a ham at me. He may be a hostile foreigner from an unspecified country, but he's no liar." And I yeah. love that the joke is that they keep specifying that the place he is from is unspecified. Yes. But yeah, the his part of his character is that no one can understand him and he just, he's angry. So he throws stuff at us. <laughs> food. Food only. Yeah. Um, but the gangs, they're tired of encountering mystery elements. They just want to relax. And Daphne says, I could sure use a hot shower and a soft bed. Mm-hmm. And Velma says, are you crazy? Who could sleep in a house full of books? Everyone stares at her. She's like, well, you guys have fun. I want to go study all night. (laughs) So, yeah. Uh, Daphne gets the shower ready. Fred and Scooby check out the van. Fred says, Scooby, I need you to, to, like, sniff out fuel lines. And I really (laughs) like it. 
I really like it when Frank Welker takes time with Frank Welker. Right. You know, gotta spend some time with yourself. Uh, we see Daphne as she's getting ready. She's her bathroom has like a water heater in it. It's a beautiful green bathroom. The set design in this show is gorgeous, particularly when they go to like an old mansion or something. I love the sets in this episode. She's putting like some logs on the fire in the like water heater, uh, and we see the smoke pour out. Uh, and then we cut to a lot of fires across the across the mansion, the cooking fires in the kitchen. There's fireplaces all over the place, and all of them. Focuses on the smoke pouring out of every fireplace. Yeah. And Velma is studying in the library where she, when she hears a voice and she's like, well, that must be that mysterious older lady he said was staying here. And it is Dean Fink of Darrow University uh, making a phone call, just telling somebody to get some paperwork ready. Yeah. This is the third DF uh, right. person in this mansion. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And so Daphne uh, gets out of the shower. Dean Fink, like, walks away. And we cut back to Daphne getting out of the shower. And she, like, wipes a mirror. Yeah. uh, And she's got, like, a towel on. And the edges of the screen, again, go blurry and red. And Daphne sees a big Gorgon monster behind her. Yeah. And Daphne gets, like, chased down the hall. She throws on, like, a robe over the towel. And I think at one point she runs past camera and her eyes are colored red. And I don't Whoa. know if that's an animation mistake or a choice, mm, but it was a nice little maybe like a choice, a nice yeah. little hint at what was going on. Um, but yeah, like the the everything's getting destroyed, and then she's like Fred, and like runs into a room and throws uh, like a cupboard or not a cupboard, uh, a what do you call that? A, a big big brown thing you put clothes in. What is that? A, a wardrobe. A wardrobe. They put a wardrobe. Yeah, she- Against the door. In front of the door, yeah, yeah. Uh, she runs into Fred's room. Fred's just sitting there on a bench in front of the fireplace. She's she's so scared, and he's like, hey, it's okay, you know, I'm here now. And she's like, oh, Fred, I've missed you. Because uh, mm-hmm. she was uh, departed from the team briefly, and the team is like, the team split up in various ways at the beginning of season two, and they've just recently all come back together, and she's like, I missed you. Uh, and then they, they, they kiss, and they hold each other. But yeah. then... We so cut it's a, outside. It's a, it's a nice, lovely moment, but then... It is. It is, until we cut back outside, and Fred is still there, helping Scooby fix the van. There's, like, a nice, I like... Scoob- dr- I guess Scooby's helping Fred fix the van. This is, <laughs> <laughs> this is Scooby's job. He doesn't know how no. to do anything. But, yeah, Scooby, like, rolls out from under the van and says, all sniffed out, and we get a dramatic sting as someone closes the lid of the, the like, the hood of the car, and it's Fred. <laughs> two friends two friends and they go this isn't the only they, time in the show where there's two friends oh my god that's right there is like a duplication of of characters that is a theme going on is the splitting and mirroring of people uh, which is so fun they they go back inside and then they encounter don fong who says something that they don't understand and then he throws a roast chicken at them. And then Scooby said, I wish he'd quit doing that. That's a waste of good food. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wish he'd stop doing that. So yeah, Scoob tries to get into Shaggy's room, but the door won't budge. And yeah. he's like, I'm, I'm worried. Shaggy doesn't go to bed unless I read, read him his bedtime story. And <laughs> Fred is like, it's fine. You can sleep in my room. Uh, and it's implied on the other side of the door uh, that Shaggy pulls away from uh, the kiss with Daphne. Right, right. 
We see Daphne kissing Fred, and then the camera angle changes, and it's Shaggy who's pulling away from her. Yeah. And Shaggy compliments him, or compliments her, uh, like, oh, like, Daphne, you're so beautiful, like, I love your eyes, and... Daphne says, oh, Freddy, and they go back to kissing. Uh, right. No reaction. No reaction from Shaggy. Yeah. And yeah, we cut to, <laughs> there's a lot of cutting to things where you're not sure it's real. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. I have to talk about this. Yeah. Okay. This is why I love this episode. This is what made the, this is why I picked this episode. Okay. So Scooby's walking down a hallway looking for Shaggy. I initially wrote down in my notes, spooky hallway. And then I'm like, it's Scooby-Doo. There's no normal hallway. So I deleted the word spooky. Hallway (laughs) presumed to be spooky. Yeah. Um, And then coming, he thinks he hears Shaggy calling from him. So he opens a door labeled room 337. (laughs) He opens the door, and it is the room 237 shot from The Shining of the eerie green bathroom where there's the shower curtain, and then the hand pulls back the shower curtain, and then suddenly that eerie naked lady is standing there in front of Jack Torrance. It's that exact scene, but it's just Shaggy fully clothed. Yeah, he's like... (laughs) Just a fully clothed Shaggy (laughs) standing up out of the bathtub. He's like sitting in the bathtub and he stands up. He's like, oh, excuse me. <laughs> uh, that completely I, went over my head. I missed that. That's fun. I I love The Shining. Uh, and I love The Shining because of things like The Simpsons Treehouse of Horror episode, The Shining. I like got <laughs> to know it through all of these pop culture parodies. Like, oh, there's the two little girls in the dresses. There's a hallway of blood. And I learned all these things and then I eventually saw the movie and it like unlocked something in me. Like, oh, this is that thing that everybody talks about. I get it now. Uh, I love a good Shining reference. And I especially love a good Shining reference in places you don't expect it to be. Like a Cartoon Network Scooby-Doo show. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Shaggy opens the, the curtain and like walks out of the tub fully clothed and like walks towards Scooby and Scooby's like, Oh, I'm so relieved. It's you Shaggy. I was looking everywhere for you. And as uh, Shaggy passes by the bathroom mirror in the mirror, it's that cloaked figure with the green, like Fox mask on. Uh, and Scooby sees this and like freaks out the, the, the figure turns into like the werewolf figure and chases Scooby down the hall. And then he wakes up and we see in the corner of the of the screen, this like red mist kind of dissipates mm-hmm. out of out of the room, uh, uh, and then we cut to Velma. She she fell asleep studying in the library. She wakes up. She's cold. She goes to put some more logs in the fire, and then she turns towards the statue of the orangutan, Mister Peaches, and it comes to life and it chases her. And it doesn't become like a real orangutan. It's like a stone orangutan chasing her around. It's got like a stone texture to it. It's chasing her through the stacks of books, and then suddenly she hears a train whistle, and then a ghost train that Burlington and the rest of his uh, mystery team, I think we find out later they're called the Benevolent Lodge of Mystery, uh, Burlington and the rest of the team are on the train that just drives through the library, and then Mr. Peach just hops on. Uh, and then Burlington takes a second to like look at back at Velma and smile, and then she smiles back at him kind yeah. of flirtatiously. Like that ghost is cute, which is something I wish Scooby Doo did more often. Oh no, guys, that ghost is hot. <laughs> what do we do? 
It's kind of teenagers. (laughs) It's kind of like a nice, weird moment where this was the point in the episode where I'm like, is this actually happening? Because there's no, I guess there is like some like red embellishing the moment, but there's no like mist in the air in the situation. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, oh, this is just actually happening. This is a weird, a real supernatural thing that Velma is experiencing. Yeah, yeah. You're not sure. But she she runs screaming out into the hall. She runs into a Fred and Scooby, and she just does like courage the cowardly dog gibberish, like train, Mister Peaches, Burlington, Burlington. And Scooby says, "Shaggy, where's my Shaggy?" Which is, <laughs> I think it's so funny that it has nothing to do with what Velma was just saying. It's like he wasn't listening. Oh, He's like, did... forget what you experienced. Shaggy is my concern. <laughs> did we mention what Mister Peaches says? Uh, he just says as, his name. He says Mr. Peaches <laughs> as he leaps on stage, which I love a lot. It's very fun. I like that these other animals have these like it, it's, it's sort of vocal characteristics like Scooby Doo has, rut row yeah. and all. But yeah, they so, all they all burst into Shaggy's room and they all proclaim in shock as they find Shaggy and Daphne cuddled up next to the fire. Hmm. Uh, and then Fred and Scooby are both so shocked that they go catatonic. They are frozen there. And Daphne's trying to like wake Fred back up. She's like, nothing happened. Fred, I thought he was you. And then Shaggy says, yeah, I thought I was you too. Yeah, I which is, <laughs> that's a good way to do this. Right. I think that's such a fascinating choice that no, Shaggy doesn't want to kiss Daphne. He enjoyed his kiss with Daphne. He's like, that was the most amazing kiss of my life. But he doesn't seem at all like he wants to kiss Daphne again. No. He's like, like, (laughs) which I I love. I was Fred in that moment. That's what Fred wanted. Right. It was a great time for me as Fred. He's like, it was great to be Fred. I thought I was you. It was cool having muscles and a jaw. I had a chin, a real chin. (laughs) I like that the show kind of, it doesn't truly deviate from its like core character personalities and dynamics, but it does play with it in these weird ways. Like what if Shaggy and Daphne kissed once? How would they do that? Why would that happen? Well, that would only happen if she thought he was Fred. And also, he thought he was Fred. Like, Shaggy wouldn't just kiss Daphne under any pretense. He used to be hallucinating that he is somebody who would kiss Daphne. Yeah, this is out of character for Shaggy. So we have to write in that Shaggy wouldn't be Shaggy in this moment. <laughs> right. I, I've never heard anybody hallucinate that I was somebody else. Yeah, it's, it's, a, good, it's in- a good plot device for this. It is. It is. Um, and they're worried, like, they're still catatonic. They're not waking up. What if they're stuck like this forever with their brains dead? And Velma's like, how would we know? <laughs> she says, let me do this the old-fashioned way. And then she just says, wake up, you're dreaming. <laughs> and they're just like, oh, hey, what's up? What's up, guys? <laughs> we had a crazy dream. Yeah. Uh, and Velma says, now that we're all back in a state of total denial... Which I yeah. which I like is Velma's just like, let's just not talk about what's happened and talk about the task at hand. Right, uh, and they don't. This doesn't come up again. Like I said, Shaggy does not have a thing with Daphne. He just hallucinated once that he was Fred. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they all figure out that things went weird for each of them when they put yeah. wood on a fire. They were next to a fire. 
And Velma's like, that's it. And they go back to like the exhibit uh, downstairs with all the antiques. And uh, there was like a little like little like stick hut. And yeah. she examines the stick and she's like, this is terror wood, which <laughs> is uh, another example of this show. Just kind of like, let's just have fun. What if things are just weird sometimes? This is a yeah. real thing that exists in this world. And it's called terror wood. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's like red, dusty uh, wood, like close up. It's got little particles of red dust floating around and it just induces terror. It's terror inducing daydreams and phantasms from its smoke when burnt that they use in like vision seeking and stuff like that. But yeah, that caused all the hallucinations. Oh yeah. This is when we learned that it was called the benevolent lodge, benevolent lodge of mystery. Uh, I love it. Every one of these mystery groups has got like a different name. It's great. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Uh, And at at this point, Scooby thinks he hears a noise and he's like, guys, I heard something. And they're like, who was it? Was it Dan Fong? Was it, who was it? Was it Don Fong? Was it Dan Flunk? Was it Dean Fink? (laughs) And finally the joke pays off. Yeah. And Scooby gets completely tongue tied. And so they're like, we have a plan to figure out which of these DFs it is. And they just kind of like walk around like talking loudly about like, I love the library. I can't wait to to spend months and months and months here. We're going to move in right now. And they're just walking around and all the characters, all the DFs are just like, huh? Hmm? Huh? And then we cut to the green wolf figure kind of like roaming the halls. And the wolf figure walks up to the stick hut. And like plucks a piece of wood and it activates one of Fred's traps in a big Rube Goldberg style. Yeah. Like things things they couldn't have possibly quietly installed. No. Like big wooden wheels, turning gears, uh, a watermelon falling down tracks <laughs> to activate something that it ends up with the stick hut, like chomping on the 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 figure like a hungry hippo and like closing it like a jail. And they reveal him. Dan Flunk! He's been stuck in this mansion his whole life. His family's been taking care of this mansion since he was a kid. He was born here. And he just wants to close the place and go somewhere else. Anywhere else. Somewhere warm. Yeah, much like the the postman from Hey Arnold. He hates the cold. He hates the snow. Yeah. (laughs) And I think it's... This is also, like, it completely works on its own, but in The Shining, the character who this character is based off of, when he leaves the Overlook Hotel behind for the winter, he goes to Florida. He also (laughs) is like, I'm leaving this place. I'm going somewhere warm. That's nice. That's a nice uh, reference. Uh, But yeah, the the Don gets, uh, not Don, Dan. Dan gets carried off. I can't believe I made that mistake. Uh, Yeah. He gets carried off by the cops. He's like, I'm glad. I'll be going to prison. It's probably warm there. And then we see him again later in the in the future mm-hmm. when the when the gang are at a prison. Uh, you see him in the background. And the dean is there with Don Fang. And they're like, <laughs> the dean explains that Don was trying to warn them the whole time in his yeah. unspecified culture, yelling at you and throwing food as a way of warning. And she says, thankfully, I'm fluent in all unspecified languages. And we fell in love. And then, then the two of them kiss. And the gang like looks... Like a big make out. Oh, yeah. The gang looks shocked, but not disgusted. 
They're like, okay, surprise, but but good for you guys. And she's like, now that like the library is closing because there's nobody to take care of it, it is going to Darrow University, but I don't have plans to change it. I'm going to keep this up here the way it was. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then suddenly a book gets thrown out of the window, crashes through a window and lands in front of them, but there's no one left in the building to do it. And they they know to that, like, who's who? No one's in the building. How'd this happen? And it's an ancient alchemy book by uh, Bartomeo Magnus, a alchemaic magister to Holy Roman Emperor King Charles V. And it's explained that Magnus also created a big plot device for the show called the, the uh, Planospheric Disc. Mm-hmm. Mel, you know about the Planospheric Disc. Can you explain that for a sec? Oh, I don't remember the specific details of it anymore, but it is this mysterious ancient item, uh, the sort of puzzle item that these mystery solving teams have been trying to un, uh, trying to figure out for generations. Yeah, and they believe that it is connected to some sort of uh, an apocalyptic event. Yes, yeah, like a real apocalyptic event that they describe in like detail, like the Earth could explode or like get crushed in this event. Do you know how in the Scoob movie that came mm-hmm. out like two years ago, don't they need to use Scooby to open up a portal to get to another dimension where like Muttley is stuck? Is that what happened in that movie? I don't know. They were rude to Matthew Lillard and I don't really care much for that movie. <laughs> I, I, it didn't totally work on me either, but something like that is what's happening here where there is like... There's portals, there's supernatural things going on. There is like, Scooby has to be an instrument in some larger than life mythological struggle. That also happens in the the live action. That happens in the live action Scooby-Doo movie too. Right, yeah. Because they're they're taking souls out of people's bodies and then you go into a soul puddle and then your soul gets sucked up into someone else's body. Yeah, and then you got to put a pyramid on Scoob because he's a one true soul. He's like a pure soul. Oh my soul. god. The purest soul. Scooby-Doo movie's good, y'all. Mmm. But yeah. Meanwhile, in another part of Crystal Cove, a woman pens up pictures in Velma's home and says, uh, the Darrow family, a.k.a. the Mystery Fellowship. It's all happened before, Velma. Now all you gotta do is figure out why. And then yeah. ends on that little cryptic note. But yeah, this show is so good. It is. Yeah. If you like Gra- Gravity Falls, if you like Scooby-Doo at large, you will like this show. It's yeah. On, it's on HBO Max, regardless of how mad I am at Discovery and HBO Max right now. I do recommend checking out the show. Uh-huh. I, I think it's such a solid piece of work. I, I wish... Like this and the Looney Tunes show were both really good examples of how to revamp and update a property and and play with its history, but also do like really new things with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, check out Mystery Incorporated. Uh, I hope you and your family enjoy it this Halloween season. Coming to DVD near you. I do own this whole series on DVD, and it's one of those releases that was like, Season one, volume one. Season one, volume two. Season two, episodes one through six. Season two, episodes seven through 12. Like, this show is not that long, and I have to have it on like six different mismatched discs. There were one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. But 
12 or 13 DVD versions of this show released oh. in, in America. And in, in Region 2, only four. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, go, go check the show out. Uh, you'll be glad you did. And even if you only catch like one or two episodes, it's, it's worth it to check out. Worth it to put on. But yeah, uh, Scooby-Doo is great and uh, he will never die. And we will <laughs> keep doing... <laughs> We will do Scooby-Doo stuff again in the future. I want that to be our first t-shirt. Scooby-Doo is great and he will never die. But yeah, thank you guys so much for joining us. Uh, Mel, this was your pick. Um, next time, we got a guest. Yeah! This uh, was our first episode, if this comes out on time, our first episode for October for the spooky mm. month. Now, you couldn't celebrate spooky all year long, and we endorse this, but October is the spooky epicenter um and next week we're doing the new adams family with tanner from loser like mm-hmm. me and not if i break you first tanner has been on before for hose hounds and oh uh, yeah they reached out to us about this show and i'm like you're just in time we're about to do yeah! halloween stuff so uh stay tuned for that next time but yeah thank you guys so much for listening we love talking about scooby-doo and shows we're passionate about and we love that you guys listen to it and engage with us uh if you would like to talk to us about scooby-doo mystery incorporated which we would love to talk to you back with Mm -hmm. about find us on twitter at saturday pod find us uh on email through an email saturday at gmail.com if you'd like to inquire about being a guest like tanner did you can reach out through one of those two places uh, we have a Discord up. You can reach that on the Twitter. Uh, if you can't reach it on the Twitter, uh, find me on the Twitter. I'm at Jams Wilk. Mel, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at WilkyWit. That's W-I-L-K-Y-W-I-T. And listen to my other podcasts on the Whatnots Network. That's Whatnots spelled like astronauts. I'm on the review show every week, which is a book club style media discussion show where we're always talking about a different movie season of a tv show a couple volumes of a comic anything we can cover in one week we will cover it wide variety of things and we'll talk about it and a long time ago in like fall 2018 we did talk about season one of mystery incorporated Mm -hmm. Uh, so you can go back and you can find that and i'm on the captain's log every week which is our nonsense off-topic chat show where we Tell stories and go through pop culture news. We play games and, and, we, and we drink ridiculous novelty sodas. Yeah. So, yeah. Go check that stuff out. And thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you guys next time. But. <laughs> All right, gang. We finally caught the Phantom of the podcast. Let me just take off its mask. <gasps> Saturday. Saturday. All right, now let me get this straight. These t-shirts are $50 each. This is cotton, right? The kind that comes from cows? Sheriff, focus. The Phantom has taken Daphne. Right. Any suspects? The Phantom! All right, now we're getting somewhere. And by the way, what's wrong with the Jones kid? He's acting a little... squirrely. I'm sorry, gang. I've just got all these crazy emotions, and I don't know why. Am I upset over my trap not working? Or is it because Daphne's gone? Why can't I just be cold and heartless like other guys? Why must I feel? (laughs) It's okay, Fred. Freddy, 
You're a special boy. So, what's our next move, Sheriff?